I'm Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review. Joining me is Stephen Johnson of the Daily, Daily Memphian. Uh, we're going to talk some Memphis Tigers basketball and hopefully some uh, get a background of, of you two, man. Um, some AAC men's basketball as well. And who knows, man, I may throw a curveball and then about this realignment talk too, man. You know, we're basketball people, but, you know, mm. it impacts us as well. Yeah, for First that. off, thank you for joining me, man. How are you? Hey, doing all right, man. I always appreciate the invitation. Uh, really, really look forward to this. Now, how long have you been where you are right now, man? It's kind of new for you, right? Uh, yeah, I, I got here. So I, I'm a native Memphian. So I, okay. I'm from Memphis. Uh, I started working with the Daily Memphian last year, kind of in the middle of the pandemic. I started off as a football writer. And this uh, actually last month, July, I was officially moved over to the basketball beat. Okay, so you work with Daniel Lerner for a little bit then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Danielle, that's my girl. She did okay. great work here. Great work. So, yeah, I interviewed her last summer mm-hmm. when she was there, and I had her on a radio spot when she moved here in yep. Town. So, yeah, so cool. All right, small world. Mm-hmm. All right, man, so you're the beat writer for Memphis Tigers basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of some big news happened for the fellas, for the squad and last few days. So just talk about uh, a new addition to the team coming up this year. Well, well, Memphis, in, in my mind, was already having a strong team. I think um, before the big news that came out on Friday, they would probably be maybe right behind Houston in kind of terms of the preseason pecking order. But uh, for the people who didn't, I guess, maybe not didn't follow closely, uh, they added a commitment from a uh, five-star Jalen Dern. He was the number one player in the class of 2022, reclassified to 21, and now I believe he's like number top five still. So that was a major pickup for Penny Hardaway and, and, and the staff. He was a guy that was one of those guys, I think before the name image and likeness stuff, I think he was on GoPro. Uh, he was considering the G league. He's considering the NBL down in Australia who reportedly offer him close to $2 million. So I think it was a huge commitment, not only for Penny Hardaway and, and the tires because they truly needed another center. They lost uh, Musa Sisse to uh, Oklahoma state, but I think it was also a big commitment for the sport in general because now you might have guys like Jalen Dern and uh, Imani Bates is another guy we might talk about later. If more of those guys are staying in college basketball, which I think the new NIL stuff will do, then that will only make college basketball better because you keep those stars in March Madness, kind of in those programs or whatnot. When it seemed like maybe – it seemed like I think maybe last year that the pendulum was kind of swinging towards the G League, but I think the NIL is kind of leveled out the playing field for colleges now. Have you had a chance to – see Jalen play at all? Just what have you heard about his game from people you trust? Well, I, I watched him at, at the Nike Peace Jam for uh, it's basically the biggest summer AAU tournament of the year. Uh, if, if you walk away with a Peace Jam championship, I, I, I think it's safe to say your team was probably the best AAU team in the country, whether it be Adidas, Nike, whoever, Under Armour, whoever. So Jalen played with a Pennsylvania-based team final, led them to the championship, I think they went a crazy something like eight and one or something like that. And I think he's a guy that can kind of do it all. He was double, double machine. He was a first team all tournament. He's a tenacious rebounder, a great defender from what I've seen. Uh, you know, Memphis prides itself on defense kind of just like Houston does. And I think for Memphis, he's also a guy that for them that can kind of create shots outside of the post. He's a great rim, rim runner. He's a great finisher at the basket. He's an underrated passer. And uh, during the peach jam, he was constantly facing double teams, and every time he came, he never seemed flustered. I didn't see a lot of turnovers. He normally found the open man. So I think that's encouraging. You know, Memphis brings back uh, uh, a good amount of returning experience, especially shooters. So I think he's going to mesh well. He's kind of one of those missing pieces to an already talented roster. 
Have you had a chance to speak with Coach Penny and assistant coach Larry Brown about uh, Jalen yet? Not not yet. We talked to Penny, I think, a day or two before Jalen committed. Uh, so we'll probably meet with him in the coming weeks. But I, I can tell you right now that he's ecstatic. Memphis was – Memphis has been recruiting him the whole time, but it wasn't until maybe – June or so that Memphis kind of really kind of starts surging and they host him for an official visit. So they went from maybe the dark horses to the favorite after that official visit at the end of June. So I know Penny's ecstatic. Like I said, the center was a big, big point of emphasis for them. And now I think they have, they bring in uh, Chet Holmgren at Gonzaga is probably the number one center, but I'll probably put uh Duran at number two right behind him. So they got a great pickup. What do you, in your opinion, what can, what does Larry Brown add to the staff and the program? Well, I, th- I think for with a guy like Penny, like you're so successful, obviously you're rich. I think it's important to surround yourself with people that you respect that can kind of offer that pushback. And obviously he played with Larry Brown for a season. He's been trying to get Larry Brown on staff since he was originally hired at Memphis. So this was a guy he really wanted to bring in. And regardless of Larry, some of Larry's history, when you bring in, he's on the coast to win an NBA and a NCAA championship. His experience just... He, he just brings so much to the table just in terms of experience. We know he coached Allen Iverson and, and those Detroit Pistons teams. So there's so much he can bring. And I think uh, specifically on the court, Memphis's offense is kind of lagged behind his defense. I think you bring in a great mind like Larry Brown. I think you'll see Memphis kind of take a jump in that area, just finally having on staff. And I think most importantly, he's going to continue to push Penny Hardaway to grow. And he's a guy that maybe Penny can – I think Penny will be comfortable deferring to him in terms of game plan if, you know, the Tigers are struggling or something like that. Now, Larry Brown, LB is known for being hard on, on point guards. Mm-hmm. So who does that impact on the Tigers basketball team? Well, honestly, the only right as it stands now, the point guard position is kind of maybe the only question mark. Uh, Alex Lomax is the only true returning point guard. Uh, they brought back Tyler Harris, who's undersized. He's, he's in the point guard body, but he's really more of a shooting guard. You know how that goes. Now, Lester Quinones is another guy that can run points. So those are the three guys I think will be man in the man in the one. Uh, Jonathan Lawson is a freshman. They also signed who could play time there. So those four, I think, will be kind of maybe Larry's direct focus. And they need to play well at the point guard spot. They have all the weapons, big man, shooters, wings, scores. They have all those. So now they just need a guy that can just – I don't even necessarily think they just need great point guard play. If you can just give somebody that can just keep that offense rolling and make sure everybody gets their touches and avoid those five- to seven-minute droughts that have kind of played Memphis these last few years, then I think this guy, you know, I think this team can really do a lot of special things this year. And avoid the live ball turnovers because mm-hmm. that drives coaches nuts. Yeah. So for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, is Memphis done with this with this class? Um. I honestly do not. I spoke to I've spoken to a few sources that believe Memphis is in a great spot to land Imani Bates. Uh, Imani Bates was also, like I said earlier, was in the class of 22 with Jalen Duran. And for the longest, he was the number one player. He had there was a lot of hype around him. Next LeBron James, next Kevin Durant. It's kind of simmered a little bit. And maybe he's gone from just being a generational recruit to maybe just being a special. But either way, he's a. A dynamic player. He's he's a walking bucket, as I would say. He's drawn comparisons to KD, Paul George. I think he might, be, in terms of NBA potential, he might be the best prospect in the country still, regardless of classification. So right now, it's looking like Memphis is in a really good spot to land him, and that will make I think Memphis one of the most talented teams, if not the most talented team in the country, going into next season. And I think Imani and Jalen are 
friends, on, you know, on a, how close, but you know, they know each other. Yeah, they, they played together for a stretch. They didn't play together at the Peace Jam. They, uh, Imani played with Team Final for uh, a stretch of the Nike AAU season. Uh, I read one story that he was there on the sidelines when Team Final was in the championship. So, and so I, I guess I don't know how tight they are. He's Jalen said him and Imani have kind of talked about it playing together and, and, and whatnot. So now with Jalen committed, when Imani released his new list, the only two t- only two programs they really shared was Memphis and the G League. So I think with NIL stuff, I think Imani was another guy that was I was all but sure he was going pro. But now with the name, image, and likeness, knowing that you can make that type of money in college, still do Mars Madness, still get that college experience, I think Memphis is in a real good spot to land another five-star. And we're going to go ahead and put it out there. You and I are media. Mm-hmm. Okay, we are not fans of the teams we cover. So there's there's no bias one way or the other. We cover the AAC. Mm-hmm. Personally, I'm going to ask you about this. I would like to see all the teams in the conference do well. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a U of H alum, but that has nothing to do with me covering U of H. Mm-hmm. So Memphis and U of H fans will see it completely different. You know, it's like war. Mm-hmm. You know, U of H fans hate Memphis. Memphis fans hate U of H, but they don't realize the respect that Kelvin Sampson has for Penny's program and respect Penny has for Kelvin's program. Mm-hmm. So I just think I'm looking forward to the matchups this season. Mm-hmm. They should be the last two games that are last two Sundays again in conference play TV. But this, what's the vibe you're getting from fans, from folks in Memphis about the rivalry between Memphis hoops and U of H hoops? I think for the most part, you got to kind of try to avoid Twitter because, you know, everybody on Twitter is just so loud with their opinions and stuff. I think for the most part, it's a kind of a begrudging respect. And obviously you kind of touched on it. Kelvin Sampson has a lot of respect for Penny Hardaway's program. And I and I give props to Kelvin for that. He's kind of been one of the most vocal supporters of Penny, even though Penny is arguably his biggest rival. If Memphis is doing well, that could kind of impede on what Houston is doing. Kelvin still has never never been shy about handing out praise to Memphis. And I know Penny has a lot of respect for Kelvin Sampson. And I think in the way he wants his teams to kind of emulate the, what, what we saw from kind of Houston last year, and I think Jalen will help that. We know Houston was just so tenacious on those boards last year. Great defensive team. They had guards that can make timely shots. So I think for Penny, when he looks at Houston, he sees a team that that he wants his guys to kind of hope, – hopes, hopes his guys can kind of – turn out and be and obviously Houston had that final four run so I think it's a begrudging respect I don't think there's like like when it comes to Kentucky Memphis fans nothing but hate (laughs) (laughs) for obvious reasons Louisville nothing but hate I'll even say Cincinnati even though Cincinnati's kind of falling on hard times there's still a strong dislike but with Houston um it was tough losing the way Memphis did last year so I'm sure that stings but I think overall it's more of a I got to give it to them. They're nice type of respect and more than dislike, if that makes sense. You didn't mention Tennessee? Uh, you, I, I, <laughs> I just, I look, I'm, I'm a native Memphian. If there's if there's one time where their Memphis fandom might come out is when talking about Tennessee, just because I, I could go on and on about that. But, yeah, ten, Tennessee is right up there. The cultural differences from being all the way up in East Tennessee all the way down to Memphis, Tennessee, is just – Woof, man. Yeah. If you want to get some Memphis fans riled up and you know Penny got riled up at Rick Barnes two years ago, the first time they played, you know, they played in a neutral site in Nashville. So that's going to be a war as well, too. It's similar here in Texas with 
with uh, U of H and the Longhorns mm-hmm. up in Austin. Oh yeah, that, that's disdain. It's you know, mm-hmm. this, don't even talk about it. You mm-hmm. know, it's just if you want to light a match, sort of fire, just like that match. Talk about the Longhorns here in yeah. Houston. There's no question. Mm-hmm. All right, man. How long have you been in in media? I've been doing honestly. So I, my first writing gig itself was actually I, I was blogging in middle school about Memphis, just like Houston is like a basketball hotbed for top prospects. So I was doing that in middle school. Uh, I worked for my high school paper in, uh, as a senior in high school. Then I, I really say in college, I was freelancing, um, did an internship with Vibe magazine, kind of covering all the high school football teams across the southeast. And I got my first official break right after college. Uh, Mike Wallace with Grind City Media, who works with the Memphis Grizzlies, NBA.com, kind of gave me my first shot as a correspondent. And just being able to get those those articles, I was able to do a story on Penny Hardaway when he's still a high school coach on, on the Grizzlies. And I was actually at games and whatnot. Honestly, without that experience, man, I'm not sure where I would be right now. So I got to give a lot of love to Mike Wallace. And then from there, uh, I worked for a year in Fulton, Missouri. Uh, you, you know how it is. You got to pay your dues. Uh, right. Town of about uh, 13,000 people. I was only there for, there for a year. But honestly, um, I got my first big break when I went to Rochester, New York. I went there as an intern uh, for an internship that lasted one year, a program, I should say, that lasted one year. Um, no guarantee of a job, no guarantee there would even be an opening. But I just thought being in Rochester, the money was about the same. I thought it was worth taking a risk. And while I was there, um, call it luck or just call it being in the right place at the right time. Uh, a veteran that had been there for about 20 to 25 years just decided he wanted to step away and kind of go spend more time with his family. So it was in the right place at the right time. And so I was in Rochester for two years and then I came back down here in the middle of the pandemic, came back home. We might, we're going to talk off, off air, man, because mm-hmm. I do some guest appearances with uh, some guys in Rochester, New York. So- mm-hmm. So we might understand some some of the same folks. So yeah, yeah. Rochester was it, look, man, it was cold, but uh, and I'm happy to be home. But there are times I miss Rochester. The people there, the people I work with specifically, were great. Whether it be the TV people, radio, or the people I work with, the Democratic Chronicle. So it's cold, but I have nothing but good things to say about Rochester. What's your overall thought on men's basketball in the American this coming season? Um, I think the league will be strong. I think this will be a league that can. I'm, I, I think obviously, I think Memphis and Houston are are shoe ins to get into the tournament as it stands right now on paper. I think two or more teams can kind of get into that mix. I got to really start digging into the other rosters, but I know uh, Wichita State is a team that had a lot of a lot of things going on. I think that could be another team that maybe has a bounce back now. They have a little more stability. I'll be interested to see what Cincinnati does. They're another team that has a lot of and a lot of off-the-court issues they need to have resolved. So I think if, if you see those programs kind of – I'm not sure what the word is. If those two programs kind of get it together, then I think that only makes the league strong. But you got Houston and Memphis. I think, you know, I think it's one of the strongest leagues in the country, especially kind of outside of that power five mix. I'm not sure if there's any – you know, if you go past your ACCs and your SECs and whatnot, I'm not sure any program can boast two teams as talented as Memphis and Houston. So – and, at the end, we know the conference. You know, this conference isn't scared of anybody. They're not scared of Houston. They're not scared of Memphis. So even though those two teams are kind of the top dogs, I think there's still plenty of depth. There's still plenty of delight about the other teams in America. And I think this is going to be a league that gets multiple teams, maybe three three to four or five might be pushing it. But I think at least three teams will make it from the league. 
I saw this morning, Joel Lenardi had his, this month's bracketology for the mm-hmm. summer. He had Houston a three seed and Memphis a four seed. Mm-hmm. And Wichita State was among the first four out. Mm-hmm. So as a right, I mean, it's August. Yeah. That's about right. You know, I think that's good for now. But just mm-hmm. the, the fact you have Houston and Memphis, and that's two of the top 16. Mm-hmm. That, that bodes well for the conference, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Look, man, we know it's not going to be like Conference USA. I don't think Memphis or Houston is going to go through the go through the conference slate undefeated. But if those two teams perform in their preseason expectations, it's only going to help the other teams in the conference who do happen to end up getting the win over Houston or Memphis. Because I think if they perform at their level, both those teams should be within the top twenty, top fifteen throughout the year. So you know, if, if you're if you're a Wichita, if you're a Cincinnati or SMU, you know. You get a win over Memphis, you get a win over Houston. That might be enough to kind of put you on the bubble, which for most of the teams in the league, that's all you can ask for once Selection Sunday comes around. What are your thoughts, your opinion, NIL? Is it is it bad at all for college basketball, college athletics? I, I don't think it's bad at all. Like as far as college basketball specifically, like I said, I think it's going to kind of turn that pendulum. We, we saw Jalen Green uh, – uh, RJ Hampton was another guy and a couple other guys have kind of went through different paths. Jonathan Kaminga as well, either whether it be G league, Australia, Europe, they went through these other avenues, to obviously get paid and get developed and whatnot. But now with the NIL, I think it's only going to make the college game stronger. Uh, honestly, we can maybe see, as you know, in college basketball, there are a lot of guys who maybe aren't even projected first round picks. They'll still put their name in the draft just because, you know, they want to start earning. You know, you don't want to be in college too long because it comes with the stigma. I think the NIL will not only kind of help those, the cream of the crop, maybe go to college. Maybe you'll see more of those 20 guys maybe stay a year because it's like, hey, man, I can make, depending on the market. I know Houston and Memphis are probably two really good markets. You know, I can maybe make an extra 50 grand if I stay another year. You know what I mean? I can maybe make, maybe I can make close to six figures depending on the guy. So I think, I think it's great for college sports. These athletes deserve some type of compensation for all the all the revenue they bring in. And now I think this is an avenue. I, I still might lean to the fact that I think the schools may need to actually pay them, but I think this is a good step in the right direction. So I, th- I think it's great for college athletics. I'm all for it. And once again, I'm speaking with Steven Johnson of Daily, Daily Memphian. All right, man, it's time for that elephant in the room. Realignment. Are you hearing anything about Memphis looking elsewhere, going elsewhere. What was your reaction when Texas and Oklahoma decided to bolt the Big 12 and go to the SEC? Well, I was initially surprised because, of course, you're like, why would you – I mean, especially for Texas, you're like, why would you want to go to a conference with Alabama, LSU, and, and all these other guys? But I think, in a way, being in the SEC might be the only way they can really catch up to it. As you see with recruiting and what recruiting is king. And we know a, a majority of the best players are in the Southeast. So that's always just going to be the advantage the SEC has. Year in and year out, if you look at the football rankings, it's probably Alabama, Georgia, LSU, and some mixture of Florida. And then you have an Ohio State. Now I think, and even Texas A&M now, who's in the SEC, and I think for Texas, they probably won't admit it, but they probably saw the success that A&M is having and probably said, look, man, Five to ten years down the line, if this still is the case, Texas A&M is going to be recruiting better than us. They kind of already are. Right. So I think for specifically for Texas, this might be the only way they were going to try to catch up. In Oklahoma, I think it opens the door for them too to kind of get more get more of those prospects in the Georgia or Florida that maybe 
I'm not going to go to Oklahoma to play against, you know, Kansas and Baylor, but Oklahoma against Florida, I can kind of come home. My parents can see me. So at first I was shocked, but then when I kind of just settled down and kind of just looked at the money, how impact recruiting, I would say it makes sense. I'm not sure if it's good or bad for the direction of college football in general, but it'll be certainly interesting. And in terms of Memphis, I think Memphis and the rest of the conference are kind of in a holding pattern trying to figure out would it be best for us to try to absorb the rest of the Big 12 or do we need to join? Um, in terms of nationally, I haven't heard much about Memphis kind of being one of those teams that might get added. Uh, I know Boise, Central Florida, Cincinnati, Houston, uh, BYU, and there's some other team off the top of my head that I'm missing. We're kind of rumored as maybe being teams that could jump into that Big 12. But in terms of Memphis specifically, I think if they get left out, it would kind of be – I think it would be a big disservice to any type of conference realignment, whether that's a super AAC or super big 12. Obviously you have a, a nationally recognized basketball program. Memphis has turned this football program all the way around and uh, they're investing in a lot of other sports. They just opened up a new, they're about to open up a new tennis facility about to upgrade the Liberty bowl. So Memphis is gearing up for realignment and making sure they put their best foot forward. Academically, the school is also taking steps forward as well too. So I'm not sure where Memphis will fall in line. I know it's a, I know it's a program on the rise, and I think it would be beneficial. And, you know, Memphis is a good market. It's one of the most passionate markets. You know, if you look at NBA race, Memphis is normally one of the, one of the pro- markets that watches the most. So when it comes to sports, this is a market that loves it. So I think Memphis will have value to wherever they go. It's just a matter of, you know, it's a, it's a lot that goes into an academics one. So I think Memphis will be fine, but I, I'm really curious to see. I think. I think the AAC might stay packed and just kind of see, hey, you guys can come over here. I'm not sure we're going to go over there, but we're good. So adding a TCU, a, a Baylor, or Iowa State, I think would be big at the conference if they're able to pull that off in the future. You know, I think Houston is similar situation. Memphis City, uh, the school itself has done a lot for improvements mm-hmm. on campus. And football needs to pick, pull its weight and do mm-hmm. better. But I just wonder – if ESPN, I mean, because the contract is tied to the conference for mm-hmm. 10, 11 more years, if ESPN says, you know, we can't have collusion or, you know, whatever, if they say, look, you get TCU, get Oklahoma State, we'll tear up the contract, we negotiate, give you, what, $20 million a year per team, something like that. Mm-hmm. Because without that, why would Oklahoma State leave or TCU leave? Because the grant of rights, man, mm-hmm. they'd have to pay a lot more to leave unless the Big 12 disbands. Mm-hmm. So I, it's 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 the next two years because I don't think anybody truly believes Texas and Oklahoma will be in the Big 12 four more years. I don't see how they will, I don't see how they will work, especially I feel like this is going to get louder and louder. I think there's going to be. Won't be surprised, not an incident, but I wouldn't be surprised. There's some, we've seen some back and forth already, uh, between Baylor and Texas and just all the schools in general. So I don't think that saga over. And I, I'm pretty sure, just like you, that Oklahoma and the Texas are going to try to find a way to get to the SEC sooner than later. But obviously, if you add those teams or if you're Memphis and Houston and you go to the Big 12, I think those programs can really take off because I think fans, fanatics who are kind of really deep into the business of it understand how much that money makes a difference. But for the common fan, 
that TV money can be the difference. I'm not saying Memphis or Houston is going to turn into Alabama or LSU overnight, but if you have that funding and now you can kind of go toe-to-toe consistently with your Power 5 counterparts, for Memphis it will be Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, Tennessee. For Houston, it would be TCU and Baylor. If you're kind of on equal footing, obviously we know Memphis and Houston are markets that young African-American athletes would probably love more so than your typical college town, and that matters. So I think, like I said, it will be big for both programs. It's just It will be interesting to see. I don't think Houston's going to get left out of anything, whether it be getting an invite to the Big 12 or whatever. Memphis is in a more interesting situation. They have the on-field, on-court success, but I guess do the other outside factors make them attractive to a Big 12 or whoever else is going to come knocking and try to add teams to their conference? I'm going to close it out with you, Stephen Johnson. Have you heard anything about the conference, the American, having an in-person basketball media day in October? Uh, I haven't heard. They they kind of bummed me out a little bit. They had a virtual one uh, last week, I believe. So, honestly, it'll probably depend on COVID numbers. I imagine if they did have something in person, it would probably be somewhere in Texas maybe. And as we know, COVID cases haven't been – the numbers aren't – aren't as good in certain parts of the country. So honestly, maybe by next month, but if I had to say so right now, I would, I would lean to maybe them doing virtual. I'm hoping, hoping they do in person, man, because I still haven't, I've been a college beat writer going, this is my second full year doing it full time. I still haven't really gotten to have the full experience of going to the media days. Didn't really travel last year. So I'm hoping they have it in person, but you know, I think it's about 50, 50 right now. Yeah. That's that's what I've heard. And I'm, I've, been doing this a long time, probably mm-hmm. longer you've been around. Mm-hmm. But in-person media days, they're just different. Mm-hmm. You know, fans kind of bash us about what's so important about, you know, being meeting face to face. That that interaction, man, just being yeah. it, that I would say that's been the most difficult thing for me is just kind of trying to build trust and build those relationships over Zoom or Twitter DMs when you're trying to reach out to people. It's just it's just different when you can look somebody in the eye, shake their hand, and they can just kind of I guess get a get a measure of you if that makes sense, but you can't really get that on Zoom. Right. All right, Stephen, man, thank you very much. If we have an in-person media day in October, hopefully I'll see you there. Yes, sir. I'll be if there. You have, if you have to wait until March or whenever the first matchup will be between UVA to Memphis, hopefully I'll see you there. So one of these ways, we'll meet eventually, man. Stephen Johnson, the right, Daily Memphis. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time, man. You take care. Right, you too.